0: Welcome to the Craft of Coaching podcast, where you'll learn about how to become a life coach with a strong skill set through understanding the craft of coaching. I'm Kate Swoboda. As director of a life coach training and certification program called the Courageous Living Coach Certification, I'm passionate about the craft of coaching and how we evolve our skills and the industry. Learn more about the Courageous Living Coach Certification Program at teamclcc.com. That's T E A M C L C dot com. And here's today's episode. Hey, this is Kate Swoboda, also known as Kate Courageous, and I am so excited that today on the Craft of Coaching podcast, I'll be interviewing Andrea Scher, who is over at superherolife.com. We'll be learning about her life coaching practice. And my aim in interviewing other coaches who are already established is that craft of coaching podcast listeners would get a little window into what it's really like to be a coach, to live as a coach, to work as a coach. So I really hope that you enjoy this. And again, um, this is Andrea share of Superhero Life. For the people that you work with, and I know that you work with people in several different capacities, what would you say is a general theme or something that's really common in terms of what they tend to be struggling with?
1: Let's see. So, I mean, they tend to be struggling with what I'm struggling with. You know, that's my impression of it, which is often self-compassion is number one, um, this sort of core belief that we're not enough, that lives underneath everything, um, is really kind of universal in in the communities that I work with. Um, in fact, we just did an exercise. I, I'm teaching a class right now called Cultivating Everyday Magic. And the exercise that I had people do is to really check in with themselves and ask, like, what do I most need to hear right now? And then, um, you know, like, and actually write it on their arm in Sharpie. So, like, that I'm lovable, that I'm loved, that I am capable, like, whatever it is for them. And for a lot of the people, it was that I'm enough. And I, you probably see the same thing in your work, Kate. Like, there's this thing underneath all of our our fears and our, you know, lack of confidence, which is Points to this thing of like we fundamentally don't believe we're enough. Mhm.
0: Mhm. Yeah, and it's just amazing how many people walk around with that. It's it's really a testament to how resilient we are as human beings that like right. our psychology can absorb so many messages of not being enough, and yet we all are like walking around in the world, like going to jobs. Yeah. And,
1: raising kids yeah exactly and of course it doesn't you know it's not like it affects us every moment of our lives or that we're thinking about it but there's a way that it also runs the show in ways that we are not aware of and Mm -hmm. so like so I mean it, it shows up in sort of obvious like you know compare and despair on social media kind of things like you see your friend's House or their family or whatever, and it all just looks so perfect over there. And you're like, God, why am I so messed up over here in my scrappy little house and you know all that? There's that thing, and there's also just this like way that we we walk around pretending a little bit, like pretending we're okay, pretending we have it together in whatever way we think we're supposed to have it together. And so I like as like as a public service to my community, I like to show like, hey not all together over here, kind of freaked out, kind of, you know, whatever. Like I I like it when people can be a little messy. Mm -hmm.
0: I would think then that this means that a core part of your work with people has to be getting conscious about patterns because compare and despair. I know that anytime I've gotten caught in that pattern, it's initially not conscious. It feels really real. That, like, yeah. me over here messed up.
1: Them over there got it figured out. Yes. Yeah, yeah. totally. Right. It's not like you get over it completely, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know. Um, so, well, well, I mentioned self-compassion. I know if that's something that's important in your work, too. Um, that's really where you have to go, I think, to, to cultivate this kind of, um, ground, this ground of compassion and this ground of self-love that can hold you even when you're having those thoughts. It's like you actually believe in your own goodness even more than you can believe. You believe those thoughts. Uh So one way that I've been practicing that, um, So there's just like a little bit of a story there. So I was really allergic to self-love, like as a con, not not even as a concept, just like those words made me sort of cringe, like, oh, (laughs) self-love. It's like, it made made me think of like hugging yourself, doing self-hugs and like, oh my God, I don't want to do a self-hug, please don't make me do that. Um, And also inner child work made me feel the same way, which is to say it made me feel really vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And... I I had this realization after I got back from Bali recently. I was teaching in, in Bali this spring and had a real reckoning with myself. Actually for the second year in a row, Bali just like wants to smack me down and tell me there are places in you that are, you know, that you don't embrace and you don't love and we're gonna show them to you. It's gonna be mm. painful, but we're gonna show them to you so that you can you have an opportunity to heal and soften and befriend those places that are so hard to look at and so I you know I actually am probably not going to Bali next year because it's so hard (laughs) you're like I I need a break (laughs) (laughs) yeah I do I need a break um from all those all those parts but um it was so beautiful because when I got back from Bali this time I really continued my practice of um I got into a kind of a a habit of, of meditating which was so nice and Immediately when I came home, I was checking Insight Timer, and I was like, oh, self-love. Let's find something around self-love. I think that's what's at the heart of all this stuff I'm struggling with. And I came upon Sarah Blondin's meditation, um, the Live Awake podcast. Mm -hmm. And what I listened to was this gorgeous meditation where she has you put your hand on your heart, and you say, I love you, and I'm listening. Mm-hmm. and just that like the somatic sense of your hand on your on your chest like for me that's where everything lives is right there in my chest and just to feel like that skin on skin on my chest immediately has this sort of like oh i feel like a little tender in that place and and it feels very friendly it feels very caring And then saying those words, I love you, and I'm listening. Like, I'm willing to hear and feel whatever you've got. It's okay. And that has totally transformed my life. I started Mm -hmm. doing this meditation every single day. And then in just random moments in the car, I'll just, like, put my hand on my heart and close my eyes and say, I love you, and I'm listening. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I'm talking to my inner child. I don't know if I'm talking to my, I don't know if it's my higher self talking to my earth girl self or what, but it's really like befriending myself in this beautiful way. And it's such a simple practice. Um, But I think it's really growing my, my capacity for self-compassion in a way that, you know, All those stories about I'm not good enough and I'm 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 broken and I'm damaged goods and if anyone knew how fucked up I was, it would run the other way. All that stuff kind of quiets down because this is more true and this feels more real.
0: Well, what I love about what you just shared is that I mean, in addition to the fact that this you know this is the craft of coaching podcast, so it's all about like other coaches who are listening to this, other people who are interested in coaching, listening to this going, how do you actually work with clients? How, What's the craft? In addition to the fact that this practice could be given to a client and be enormously beneficial, I, I really hear you speaking to the necessity of us as practitioners doing our own work and how essential yes. that is.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, both in being able to really empathize in a real way with what your clients are going through. And it's like, oh, yeah, I know that place in me very intimately, too. So when your client comes to you and is like, wow, I'm really in this, like, dark shame spiral of these thoughts, um, if you haven't really gotten intimate with yourself in that particular way, you're not going to totally know what they mean. Maybe intellectually be like, oh, well, don't be so hard on yourself, or that sounds like your inner critic. But it's a little bit like a a technician, you know, um, you know, but it just feels a little removed. But when you really get it and you've been intimate with it and you're practicing it, um, there's a way that you come together as as equals. You come together as just on that really human level of like, yes, Mm -hmm. I get it. I see this and this is what's helped me. And I guess that's the kind of teacher and coach I am is I'm a storyteller and I'm a I don't know, I'm a truth teller and a storyteller and that's how I like to connect with people and heal, you know, be a force of healing. I
0: think there's such importance in in coaching as a craft in not trying to be the guru. And that's not the way all coaches practice. Um, in my own training program, we definitely have the conversation about, um, not trying to be the guru for your client and really creating rapport from that place of co-creating the relationship and we're equals in the relationship. But for sure, I've heard, heard coaches who, you know, they think that the best way to support a client in that moment of feeling like you're not enough is to like, I don't know, like bring up the evidence for why the client must be enough or, you know, to contradict that. And I think it's, it's Mm a, a tender thing. Uh, and it requires our own vulnerability to be willing to actually meet the client in the emotional space where they are instead of trying to be like, I'm just about the light. I'm the high vision. No, no, no. to the
1: Yeah. Yeah, which is a kind of spiritual bypass, right?
0: I think it is. I mean, (laughs) we're a little rogue, maybe, maybe, but
1: I think it totally is. Yeah. Yeah. When I, yeah. And I, well, and also I just want to add too, that in the coaching, you know, container scenario, maybe you're not telling them this long story that I just told you, but you're saying, you know, do I have permission to lead you through a little exercise right now? I want mm-hmm. you to get really quiet. I want you to put your hand on your heart. I want you to say these words to yourself and then tell me what shows up. What are you hearing? And really be with them in that practice that can be very tender. And so it's not like you have to talk, talk, talk about yourself because I know that's sort of, that's like a, well, in therapy, you know, you're supposed to be kind of um, invisible in a certain way, right?
0: Uh, the therapist and, is supposed to
1: be yeah. kind of invisible in some yeah. you know, in some disciplines, for sure. Right, and then in coaching, it's um, you know it's a little it, it, it's different. But I, I remember in my coaching training. Um, for the first sort of year, you, you were not really supposed to do anything, get asked questions and listen and reflect and, you know, lots of, lots of useful things, but you weren't supposed to give advice or really insert yourself into the, into the mix. Um, so I just want to offer that too. If it doesn't feel right to be sharing your own stories, just being able to really understand the experience of your clients is so valuable. And what's awesome is we're all human. And we've all had hard experiences and we get to use that. We get to use whatever suffering we've had in our lives to the benefit of the people we're working with.
0: Absolutely. Oh, it's like, it's just, it's so true. And I mean, I'm, you know, in the psychotherapeutic realm, I'm a huge fan of Carl Rogers. I've read any number of his essays and, and, you know, he was, he came from a person centered perspective and he was all about, um, you know, how do I like be a human with another human? Like he really wanted to Mm. eradicate the Freudian model that was heavily practiced in the 1960s when he became a therapist, which was about, you know, the, the therapist is kind of like the, there was a hierarchy, I think, to the way that that practice was happening. And I, I think it's so important. I'm with you. I'm like, I, I, I want to work with my coach and really know that um they don't just have like five tips for how to counteract despair, but they've actually like been in despair before. They've touched. Right. That
1: yeah. Right. And are actually willing to be with you in real time if that's what the moment calls for. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. which it's like a willingness to be with someone else in their vulnerability. And that, um, that takes some, some uh, courage and it takes um, some capacity. we like, we, we grow our capacity to do that. I think. Mm -hmm.
0: Totally. Yeah. Well, I know that one of the ways that you work with people is you, you put on a lot of classes and, I I'm just realizing I want to like kind of ask this question in the moment. If it doesn't go anywhere, I can edit it out later, but I have this desire Mm. to ask because like, when I think of, of Andrea, I think of magic and whimsy and delight and Mm. like throwing the shackles off of creativity. I think of big permission slips. And Mm. I'm just so curious, like of all the exercises or practices that you've ever given to classes in your group coaching experiences do you personally have a favorite
1: ooh in in the realm of magic and whimsy and delight well
0: we don't have to even stay in that particular realm that's just what i think mm. of when i think of you but maybe there's another one that you're like actually kate here's my exercise for despair and darkness you know like it, <laughs> it could be anywhere i'm just so curious in this moment about like of all these wonderful adventures that you send people on
1: which one happens to be your favorite? Well, the one that's showing up that's coming to mind right now is something that um, I did in the, the last class I taught, which was called Make Your Own Magic, um, very similar to the Cultivating Everyday Magic. They're both like 21-day, um, uh, I call that, the, the, it's like uh, creative play and stealth blessings.
0: Mm-hmm. So we're
1: going out on little secret kindness missions. And one of them, which is so much fun, um, I collaborated with um, Sherry Reichert Galul, who I think you might know, actually. Uh-huh. I do. And, yeah, and we did a bubble flash mob at Dolores Park in San Francisco. What is a bubble and flash mob? I was hoping you would ask. <laughs> <laughs> so, basically, oh, my God, it's, it's like so much bang for your buck, my friend. Okay. <laughs> so. You arrive at Dolores Park or some other wonderful park in your area where lots of people just naturally go on, like, a Saturday or a Sunday. And you get lots of little bubble containers. I think you can order them online, just, like, little containers of bubbles that you can blow. Mm -hmm. And we arrived, and we had my kids. We had all these other people passing out little containers of bubbles to every single person we saw at the park. And we said, okay, at exactly 11.11, 11, you're going to start blowing these bubbles, but do not <laughs> blow them a moment sooner than that. And they're like, okay, got it. And this was like a 10 minutes before that, so it's not like they had to think about it too much. And so at exactly 11.11, 11, this entire park in the middle of the mission in San Francisco just erupted in bubbles. <laughs> and it was so beautiful and You know, I think it was really special for me um, in a lot of ways, but one of the ways is that my son, who's almost 11, um, Ben, is like, you know, I'm already in that realm of like, okay, mom is super uncool, and I don't even know what she does for her work, but it's probably really stupid or, you know, like that. They're not stupid, but, you know. Um, And so he got to really be in on something, like part of my work that is just so much my spirit. And he was very resistant to going. And, but you just could not help yourself. It was so delightful and so fun. And kids just started swarming around us, and everyone started to kind of gather in the middle of the park. And it was just like, it was just pure delight. And it was, it cost us, you know, nothing. And it created this experience of connection and magic that was just, you know. Not, there's nothing better.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Because the thing too, is that it's not just about the coaching that you do with one-on-one client or the coaching that you do through a course. It's also about how that person goes out into their life and does the thing that maybe they feel a little silly about doing, but that inspires delight. It's and And having that ability to connect with a community. And that's what I'm hearing you describe in there
1: yeah exactly and you know i think i'm 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 very much an action person. I like you know when i when I teach a course, I don't want to talk too much i i want I want to give people just enough information and just enough inspiration that so they can actually have an experience in their own life mm-hmm. um, so I like to you know create you know wonderful little really easy to do prompts. I mean, that one was actually the most elaborate prompt in the whole class. Mm -hmm. Um, But, like, really fun, easy things. Like, in this current class, I had people choose a superhero name and then use it at a cafe that they went to that day and have, like, the cafe person, like, the barista, like, write it on the cup and then they photographed it. And um, just, you know, I think we – we we just need to step out of our little universe and it might seem like well how is choosing a superhero name going to change my life but i actually believe that those things do because they 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 sort of they they redirect our attention toward like oh there are other things to think about and there's like other planes of of um of awareness really and like i can tap into magic and joy and wonder um, by choice, you know? So I get very passionate. I'm realizing I'm very passionate about this topic. (laughs) I'm talking to you, I'm getting very excited.
0: I love it. Well, it's really about releasing self-consciousness. And if somebody's going to take the big step of going, this marriage doesn't work for me anymore Mm -hmm. or this job has to change or it's time for me to, like, actually pitch myself in the name of my big dream, like those are like very big steps to take. And if somebody has that practice with releasing self-consciousness on a small scale, like, you know, a bubble uh, flash mob, you know, like that becomes the stepping stone that builds toward the kind of courage that can, can be practiced in those moments when the challenge is a lot larger.
1: That is so true. And also, you know, it looks from the outside when you're on the outside of something, like like when you're on the outside of a bubble flash mob, let's just say. It's like, oh, my God, look at those women. They're so amazing. They did this thing, and it's so wonderful. And it's like, I wish I was somebody like that. And it's like, guess what? These were just normal people mm-hmm. who decided to do something kind of wacky that day, or they decided to, like... Put on a funny hat and have an adventure. Like it really is always a normal person who's a little bit afraid that it's going to, you know, not work out <laughs> or it's going to be stupid or whatever. Um, but they went for it anyway, mm-hmm. and they now they get to have a story, and other people get to have a story, and so um, I think that's the other thing that it does. It's it sort of demystifies the things that people do in the world. They're just normal people who decided to do it.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're just normal people who decided to do it. I love that. I love that. I love that. <laughs> well, thank you so much for, for being a guest and sharing some of your brilliance um, on the topic of how you practice the craft of coaching. And I'm just so honored to have had you here today. You are so welcome. Thank you for having me. All right, that's a wrap for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you have a moment to give us a rating in iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast, ah, so helpful because that helps other people to learn about this podcast and also listen in. You might also wanna become a subscriber so that you always get the latest episodes. If you head over to the Courageous Living Coach Certification website at teamclcc.com, that's T-E-A-M-C-L-C-C.com, and sign up to be a subscriber, not only will you get the first information about whenever we open up enrollment, you will also get access to a number of bonuses, like our Become a Coach video series, invitations to webinars on the craft of coaching, and so much more. So I hope that I see you over there. Once again, thanks so much for listening, and I hope that you have a wonderful rest of your day.